Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen. If you would like to support God TV Radio, you can support us by buying our music, our art, our T-shirts, as well as our books. You can also support us with a one-time donation through PayPal. All links are in the description. If you have access to Spotify, you can listen to my radio station in your car, on your stereo, on your computer, anything that has internet access. God bless. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keene from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day. One of the major problems we have in society, ladies and gentlemen, is um, children out there who don't have a father. And of course, we will do a video on mothers and women and the impact they have on their children. But today we're going to focus on just dads. There's also, of course, the men who manage to stick around. Uh, They attempt to stay in the household, but They resent the fact that they're stuck with a woman that they didn't actually want or love or care about, doing it simply out of some kind of classic concept of morality being there. The routine back in the day was if you get someone pregnant, then you need to marry them and you need to take care of your children. Well, some men are not like that. Some men, they get involved with women simply because they want 10 minutes of sexual interaction or they want to be able to get off and they don't give a damn about being with the person. They don't care about the woman's well-being. So they get involved and then they get to spend the rest of their entire life um, taking care of and being responsible for the offspring they have with these women. And they end up being angry, not just with themselves and living with regrets, but they're irritated with the woman that they're with. And of course, they're irritated with the children that they have with these women. Sometimes there are men out there who, when they bring children into the world, something changes in them and they learn to adapt and learn to actually love the woman sometimes this happens and sometimes these men will decide or they'll grow up or they'll mature and they'll become better fathers along the way but there's too many times where there's young boys and young teenagers out there who end up getting a woman pregnant and they don't even know who they are as a person they don't even know who they are as a man They don't even know what it means to be a man, and now they're taking care of other people and being responsible when they're not even responsible for themselves. And this is the type of society we live in. We live in a society where um, our kids go to school and then they get to sit in classrooms where teachers teach them how to properly have sex, teach them the kind of protection they can use, But unfortunately, a lot of young people, they don't want to use any willpower. They don't want to take the five minutes that's involved in throwing a condom on. And usually the woman or female that they're with doesn't really know what she's doing either. And usually doesn't have the self-esteem or the willpower or strength to be able to instruct the guy who's obviously a newbie and doesn't know what he's doing on how to get things right. So they just end up doing it. And then boom, here it is. I uh, 
I myself, I can say without a doubt that my wife and I, we planned both son and daughter. We had no idea some of the issues that would come up. We knew the basics and the standards, but when you have children, you should expect that there are going to be things that happen that you would not dream or envision would ever happen. But we wanted our children, and we love our children, and now I have a daughter that's 19 years old and a son that's 23. And one thing that I've done repeatedly is I've wanted to give my kids the things that um, my parents uh, refused or just simply didn't care enough to do. And that's whenever your children do something positive, you need to let them know how important that is. You need to help your kids build a moral code. Whenever my son or daughter does something really good, uh, like my daughter, she'll go to school and she's gotten awards. She's also got some of her art put in published books and also uh, got prizes along with other top students. I make sure to say to her uh, with all sincerity and uh, genuinity is that I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. You've done great and you need to keep on rocking and rolling. I try to be as encouraging as possible. I have no idea what it's like to be encouraged. Um, I can't tell you the last time before my mother passed away and before my father ended up leaving from time to time, I'll talk to him on a phone maybe once or twice a year. And I've never heard him once say, son, I'm proud of you. I have never heard my mother say anything like that either. Uh, she seemed more self-absorbed, and she had a lot of problems, and she put herself over the priority over her kids, as did my father. So, I didn't have a manual growing up. I didn't know so much what to say or do. All I knew is you watch television and you see other people who actually appear by perception to be doing the right thing by their kids. And you think, man, I would have liked that for myself. I know that would have made me happy if I would have heard that or that happened. So whenever I eventually became a dad, I decided to take all these positive philosophies and experiences that I've seen other people have and I said, I'm going to do all that from my kids. I'm going to make sure that I tell my children I'm proud of them, how important they are, how beautiful they are, how special they are. And my kids ended up doing great. My son, uh, right as he was uh, getting 18 years old, he was already talking about you know getting a job without even me having to tell him. I didn't have to like sit down with my son and say, son, you need to get a job. You need to get yourself straightened out and all this kind of stuff. I didn't have to. I had already taught my son responsibility. I already taught him how to take care of himself and reminded him and stuff that I'm going to be here for as long as I possibly can for you, my son and daughter, but you got to become, you know, independent. There's going to be a day where you get out of the nest and all that. And even when you're out of the nest, you can always come back if something goes wrong or the world throws you a curve that you didn't expect. I'm always here. But my son has 
gotten independent and if he has a question about something then he'll call us or he'll stop by and we'll talk and uh, figure out resolutions and resolve things and all this and I make sure out of pure sincerity that every time I see him no matter if he's in a cranky mood or a positive mood or whatever mood he's in I always ask him about his day how you been doing son how you been doing have you been happy and before he goes and whenever he comes in, I always give him a big old hug. In fact, I give him so many hugs. He's like, Dad, you already hugged me twice now already. Yeah, what's the problem? I want to continue to hug you. In fact, I think I'm going to hug you so hard that I'm going to say something to the effect that I've got glue on my arms and I cannot let you go. I'm sorry. I just can't. And the same with my daughter. Hugs, hugs, hugs. I love you. I'm proud of you. You're beautiful. You're fantastic. And that's how my wife and I treat our kids. It's not a 100% perfect. Obviously, when you've got young people that you're taking care of and that you love and care about, um, there's times where people wake up on the wrong side of the bed. There are times where... You know, the kids are not happy about something. Something happened out in life that sucked. And some people have this tendency whenever something upsetting or disappointing happens to them, they sometimes take their aggravation out on those they love because they know that the person loves them. The person will understand. The person will tolerate and be patient and all that kind of stuff. One thing is very clear to me, and I think some fathers would be sad about this, but it actually makes me very happy. My kids are clearly uh, a mama's boy and mama's daughter. They love the heck out of their mother. And I've always encouraged this, uh, this type of behavior because I really believe the quote from Brandon Lee, the movie, The Crow, where he says, mother is the name for God and on the lips and hearts of all children. I truly believe that. I believe that the way children look at their parents can have an impact on how they perceive God. I really do. And I'll give you an example of that. Whenever I was growing up and I didn't feel like I was loved or cared about or people sincerely were concerned about my well-being, it started making me question any little ideas that I had about God whenever I was going through a development period as a, as a young boy into a young teenager into a young man. I got to thinking to myself, if my own mother and father do not love me, those who are closest to me, those who are biologically and genetically related to me, if they don't love me and they don't care about me, then why should I believe that there's some kind of supreme being who created the universe through some kind of big bang and then put us here and loves us, protects us, cares about us, and actually cares about pre uh, preserving my soul into the next life? It was hard for me. I got to thinking, well, at that time... When things weren't going good and I didn't feel like I was loved or cared about, I couldn't imagine that anybody or anything was actually looking out for me. I didn't realize at that point that God did not put me into the world so I could, how do I put this? He didn't put me into the world to try to 
resolve the problems that everybody else had. We all have our own personal walk. I believed that the idea of what I was supposed to do or what my calling was is that I needed to basically put the world on my back, almost like I was carrying some kind of cross. I ended up becoming the father that my brother and sister never had. I ended up taking the role of being the caretaker over my mother when I was very young. And at this time, I wasn't even responsible enough to be able to take care of myself. Yet here I find myself thrown into this role. When you see people not living up to expectations or putting walls that are unnecessary in front of your way when you're trying to progress in life, it does make you say to God, if there is a God, then why are you, why did you have me be born to parents who don't love me or don't care about me? If you truly love me, then do something about it. And here's the part that didn't click in my head whenever I was a kid. The Bible never teaches that everything's going to be fair. In fact, it says it's going to rain on the unjust as much as it is the just. When you pray to God, if you ask God for guidance and you ask him for love and protection, he'll do all these things. If you want prayers that are going to actually get answered, then the questions that you or things that you ask God need to be about you and God. But if you ask God to, let's say, make your father show up on certain days and not lie to you or fulfill his promises... God is not going to go against any person's free will and make them do something they're not doing. <clears throat> if you have a mother who is abusive or filled with hopelessness who is not showing you the love that you deserve, praying to God to ask God to change that person's mind and brain is simply not going to work. Because in order for God to change your parents, or the people around you who are cruel and terrible means that he would actually have to change who they are as people. You have to understand when a mother or father or anybody does these things, they do it because they choose to be this way. This is their decision to live their life like they do. And a lot of these people, a lot of these parents, they end up digging their own hole. In the end, they will suffer and they will die and there will be nobody there for them. Their funerals will be absolutely empty. Empty as a church on Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen. So stop asking God for him to change the mindset of people. If people do not want to show you love, if they don't want to show you the respect that you deserve, if they don't want to spend that valuable time that little time that they have on earth being with you, bringing you into the world and being responsible for you, just remember that is decisions they made, but God wants the best for you. I have went through so much crap, so much nonsense in my life, and I've seen kids out there that have went through hardcore stuff. And then they end up without a mother, without a father, or without one of the parents, end up doing great things in their life. But I also realize, being that I'm a 
being that I'm a son of parents who did not care, there does come a time when you're that type of kid who's got no love or security or stability around you, you meet, you get into a fork in the road where you're asking yourself, is life worth living? It does any of this matter anymore? Especially when you find yourself in a dark time when you don't know what you're going to do next and you have no one there to encourage you or give you suggestions or help you in any kind of way, whether it's spiritually, emotionally, physically, or even financially. You're going to find yourself in those moments in life where you just don't know what to do. And it becomes dark because then you start questioning who you are, what you are, what is the point? Why should you even live? Why should you even exist? The thing that you need to tell yourself is that you are valuable. You are important. You're not an accident. You're not an accident that the universe made. You're not an accident. God did not create trash. You are important. You mean something. And there will be some day if you have patience and endurance and tolerate the roller coaster ride that we know is life that has its ups and downs take the downs and then when you have the ups hold them close and don't take them for granted also another suggestion ladies and gentlemen if you do happen to have some people in your life whether they are real friends and you'll know the difference between a real friend and a bad friend a real friend is someone who would take a bullet for you a real friend is someone who won't encourage you to do drugs or drink and do things to yourself that will cause you to be depressed or ruin your health in some kind of way. A real friend would look out for you. A real friend is someone who's willing to tell you things that you're not going to like, but it will improve your life. And that's the same way a good parent ought to be. A good parent should love you and also be the best friend that you've ever known in your life. But you are going to discover <clears throat> that people are going to reject you. People are going to abandon you. People are going to disappoint you. But God will not. God is always looking down on you. He's always seeing what you're going through. And he's always going to try to put these ideas into your head of what you could do to make your life better. In the end, when you reach that fork in the road, you'll have to make a decision. Do I do what God wants me to do? Or do I want do what I think is the best way to do things? Well, we know how that turned out for Adam and Eve, as well as many men and women in the Bible. You have over 70 stories that tell you exactly what happens if you get out of line with God. Your life just becomes a crushing failure. And we can see that, too. When we look around the world at people who don't have God in their lives, we can see by their behavior, we can see by the way they talk, the way they act, the way they live their lives. Absolute crushing failures. <clears throat> well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that my video helps you. If you have a son or a daughter, look them in the eye today and say, give me a hug and tell them in their ear, I'm proud of you. You mean the world to me. You're a miracle sent to me by God. If you make your kid feel divine, if you make your child feel loved and cared about, stable and secure, 
then that kid will become everything that you desire for them to be. A stable, secure, loving person who cares about themselves and the people around them. And they'll appreciate you for it. And they'll appreciate God. You take those things away from them, then you're going to cause the little one to stumble. And the Bible says, and Jesus says, if you cause the little ones to stumble, it'd be better to tie a milestone around your neck and jump into the deepest part of the sea. Because you have failed. You have paved a road straight to hell for the young people out there. You've confused them. You've hurt them. Think about this. God bless. We hope that you've been enjoying God TV Radio hosted by Brett Keane. When you get an opportunity, check out our public radio station. Check out our books, music, and art. You can also buy t-shirts if you would like to support us. If you don't want a t-shirt, you don't want books, you don't want music, well, you could always do a one-time donation through PayPal. Any support is appreciated. God bless. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen. If you would like to support God TV Radio, you can support us by buying our music, our art, our t-shirts, as well as our books. You can also support us with a one-time donation through PayPal. All links are in the description. If you have access to Spotify, you can listen to my radio station in your car, on your stereo, on your computer, anything that has internet access. God bless. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day. Today we're going to talk about some historical figures out there, historical figures that just happen to be atheists, and we're going to talk about some of the damage and destruction that they caused to society. Well, we've done a video before about the North American Man-Boy Love Association, also known in short as NAMBLA. It was founded by atheists who believed that pedophilia was fine that atheists believed that it was okay to have relationships, marriages, and sexual interactions with children. You all can simply go to Google, type it in, type in Atheist Nambla, and you will see for yourself. It's an organization that was put together and founded by atheists and still ran by atheists today who want to have sexual interaction with children. Now, some of you may realize that we have a serious problem with abortion in our society and in our existence, even in modern time. Millions of abortions and murder of baby and children all the time. Well, some of you may not know this, but Planned Parenthood and a lot of these abortion clinics were founded by atheists. That's right. You'll want to look up a woman by the name of Margaret Singer. She did not come up with the idea of abortion historically because she wanted women to have control over their own bodies and to be autonomous or any of this. She actually created abortion because she was also into a concept called eugenics where she wanted to wipe out what she referred to as the Negro race. She only felt that white people were superior and she wanted to end the lives of anybody outside of her race. And she did a pretty good job of it as well. There were a lot of people out there that was convinced that she was using science for the good. 
There was a lot of people who were into something referred to as scientism, where they believed that scientists and doctors would never do something disloyal or hurtful to them, that the entire reason for them going anywhere that they went having to do with the medical field was for pure reasons to find pure resolutions. Instead, what they ran into were people with the agenda that discouraged them in having their babies and then would encourage the mothers to allow them to do assisted suicide or murder on their the fetus that they had in their womb. If you were to type in fetus in the search engine, you would see that it is defined as a baby, a child. It doesn't matter for those out there who think that abortion is okay, that you see it as nothing more than a clump of cells. On an organic biological level, you are nothing more than cells. The only difference between you and a baby is your experiences, and that is it. And if you want to weigh someone's value of existence and living based upon experience, then the argument could be made that some people do not deserve to live if they haven't experienced A, B, and C. It's a bad argument people make. It's terrible. And also trying to demoralize and demonize a baby because you don't want to be accountable or take responsibility is equally terrible and horrible in every kind of way. So I thought a lot of you may find it interesting that Margaret Singer was an atheist. She was also a Marxist. And also NAMBLA is not only ran by atheists, but they're atheist communist. So that is fascinating. Because atheists have the highest suicide rate and they also have the highest substance abuse rate, they have damaged society. They say that it's absolutely natural and normal to be able to do drugs and put whatever filth you want into your body. They promote the idea that we shouldn't even bother taking care of ourselves because they have a nihilistic worldview of existence. They think that there's no point or meaning, that we simply got here by accident or because of random chain of events through chemicals and chemistry. So they don't care about keeping themselves alive. They don't care about keeping themselves existing because they figure we all die one day anyway. What's the point of doing all the work and putting forth the effort? What's the point at all? It's one of the reasons why there's a lot of atheists on the Internet who uh, refer to themselves as antinatalists, where they don't even want to bring children into the world. It is also one of the reasons why atheists remain a minority amongst the big-time religions of the world. Because, one, they promote the idea of don't have children. <clears throat> and if they are going to deal with children, it's going to be in a sexual nature. Just look up Nambo, like I told you. Or they want to completely abort them. If you succeed in having a baby, then it would most likely, according to stats, be an atheist who promotes the idea of your child doing drugs and then absolutely ruining their lives doing depressants till the point they kill themselves. Very nice, very nice. Let's talk about another woman, a super important popular woman that existed back in the day, Madeline O'Hara. This is a really fascinating story. She was one of the first television atheist evangelists. 
Uh, I know that's funny, but that's usually how she referred to herself as. She's seen herself as a person who preached against the nothingness and disarmed and disrespected God constantly. She was one of these mean-ass women who would refer to um, God as a sky daddy. The typical garbage that you hear atheists parrot today, this robotic, hive-minded non-critical thinking thoughtless people out here who call god a sky wizard or an old man that lives in the clouds she was the one that actually came up with all that crap she was the one that actually put forth all these insults and disgusting stuff she was considered by newsweek and time magazine to be one of the most cruelest nastiest uh, heart-wrenching people that you could ever be around she enjoyed making people feel uncomfortable and awkward when she was on talk shows she talked down to the talk show people and always spoke of herself as though she knew everything interestingly enough she had a subpar education um, she had not done anything real important in her life. She had never done anything relevant in science, yet she believed that she was superior over every Christian, Muslim, and pagan and Jew on the planet. For some reason, she had this narcissism about herself. Well, she was so self-absorbed into her own garbage, she ended up having some children, and one of her kids ended up getting into Christianity. No matter how badly she talked about God and Christianity, the more she did it, it seemed like the more she pushed her son towards religion. And her son was called William Murray. <clears throat> well, because she could not talk him what she referred to as rationalized by calling him a worthless uh, piece of crap, she called him less than nothing, said that she wished that she never even gave birth to him, she would go on to throwing him out of the house and he would have to go live with other people. Her, one of her youngest sons, she tossed him out of the house simply because he refused to deny God and continued to go for Christianity. I thought that somebody like Matt Powell might be interested in knowing this because he makes a lot of videos about people who are, uh, have been injured and harmed due to atheists, especially school shooters and all that. Let me get me something to drink. My throat's feeling a little dry. And then I'm going to tell you the miracle that happened from this. <clears throat> because William Murray, the kid of Madeline O'Hara, decided that he wanted to be a part of Christianity instead of what his mother was pushing on her agenda, she would go on to hiring up a bunch of atheists to work for her for the American Atheist Association. You guys can look into that on Google. What ends up happening is apparently she finds out that these atheists are robbing her blind. They're taking her money. They're not taking care of the organization that she totally defended and cared about. Well, the atheist apparently had a long record or history that he had hidden from her of being violent, aggressive, a terrible person all the way around. Well, what happened was, is he decided that he wanted to kidnap her and the family members that were currently in the household, took them out to a ranch, cut them into little pieces, and then buried them in a hole where it was extremely difficult to find out where they even went or what happened to them. The miracle of all this 
was because Madeline O'Hare was so cruel and terrible to her own child, <clears throat> William O'Hara, he went on to growing up after his mother and family members were butchered and became one of the top preachers of the world. He became a big-time number one preacher who fought for God. Isn't that interesting? Atheist always ask the question, how come God doesn't do something about evil people in the world? How come God allows evil and corruption and terribleness? Well, apparently God was keeping an eye out that day because um, it looked like an atheist decided he wanted to commit evil upon another evil atheist, and bye-bye they went. So, yeah, next time you ask that question, how come God doesn't do evil in the world, just go back to... Uh, the, all the problems Nambla and Planned Parenthood has had, as well as uh, Madeline O'Hare and how her destiny and fate ended up. Seems to me God was looking out for the world that day. So there you go. Interesting history, right, ladies and gentlemen? You guys can look all this up yourself and see that it's all true, what I tell you. God bless. We hope that you've been enjoying God TV Radio, hosted by Brett Keen. When you get an opportunity, check out our public radio station. Check out our books, music, and art. You can also buy t-shirts if you would like to support us. If you don't want a t-shirt, you don't want books, you don't want music, well, you could always do a one-time donation through PayPal. Any support is appreciated. God bless. Hello ladies and gentlemen, my name is Brett Keen. If you would like to support God TV Radio, you can support us by buying our music, our art, our t-shirts, as well as our books. You can also support us with a one-time donation through PayPal. All links are in the description. If you have access to Spotify, you can listen to my radio station in your car, on your stereo, on your computer, anything that has internet access. God bless. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a wonderful day out there. I've been playing some video games today, and I got to thinking to myself when... Uh, I've gotten some phone calls as well as emails from atheists who want me to go on to their podcasts and some of their live shows with them. And, um, of course, I've responded to some of these folks and I say, ask the illogical question of how many atheists are going to be present and how many Christians are going to be there. Well, the response is usually... Uh, there's going to be about three or four atheists. There's maybe, according to some, going to be more atheists. And usually I'm the one guy that they decided that they wanted to <laughs> uh, invite that was a Christian, but nobody else. And, uh, of course, if I ask, can I bring a couple of Christian friends in order to balance things out? They're like, I don't see why you need to have other Christians in there. You're not afraid to debate or discuss, are you? Oh boy, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm I afraid to have a discussion or a debate with several atheists at the same time. It's like they never learn, do they, ladies and gentlemen? They don't get it. 
It's like they don't understand debate decency or human decency or debate etiquette whatsoever. Why is it that whenever an atheist throws down the gauntlet with me, they always have to have tons of buddies with them, and they refuse to even allow me to have one single other Christian with me or one fellow Christian woman or man uh, in the discussion? And why do they think that it's honorable or a code of honor whatsoever or decency to uh, have it to where I sit there I speak for a minute, maybe even less. I've been known in some of these discussions with atheists to get literally less than 10 seconds on the mic while they go round table and take turns as uh, personal attacks, nonsense, ranting on. Some of them have been known to rant on for 20, 30 minutes and then never let the Christian actually ever have a conversation. I have noticed in some of these rooms I've been in, they'll mute my mic and make it to where I can't unlock my microphone to be able to speak or talk. And sometimes they forget to unmute me anyway if they're running like an OBS software so my voice doesn't even get picked up. It's as if they're intentionally and deliberately trying to piss me off, like they're trying to aggravate me. And I don't understand for the life of me what goes through the the mind of a person like this or people. If you do that to Christians, if you try to bring them into a room so you can just ad hom them to death or go on these long, deranged rants and then not allow anybody to respond... Do you actually think that's going to make Christian children as well as Christian adults or teenagers say to themselves, oh yeah, these atheists, they seem really smart and nice. They seem like real sweethearts. Let's give up Christianity right away. I understand that in a lot of ways, Christianity has a great deal of advantage over atheism. Atheism offers nothing. It doesn't offer you any answers on how you got here. Uh, the stories they do tell are absolutely ridiculous and magical sounding, such as people evolving from rocks and the universe just blew up out of non-existence, and somehow out of explosions, life and order can come out of it. This is all ridiculous. It's stupid. You have to be a complete and utter moron to believe that shit. And then, of course, the finale of all this, of the worldview of the atheist, is that you're going to suffer, there is no God protecting you, and when you die, uh, you will simply be forgotten in less than two weeks flat, or perhaps even a couple months, Dep depends on how relevant you are to your own family, which most of these atheists admit there's no connection or relation because they treat their own family the same way they treat social media religious people, like jerks and assholes. And let's face it, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> When they tell you that their families abandoned them or neglected them or kicked them out in the street, it's pretty obvious why. Could you imagine living with a person who feels the desire to insult you over and over and over and also believes that if you're religious and you're obligated to take care of them, that they'll pull out the Bible and say something to the effect of, oh, God tells you to love everybody if I don't want to go out and work and I don't want to do things with my life, um, you're supposed to love me anyway and you're supposed to give me the coat off your back. 
This is manipulative, and it's just straight-up demonic right out of the pits of hell, ladies and gentlemen. No one wants to live with a person like that. No one wants to talk to people who are like that. Nobody enjoys watching content where some prick's giving you the people's eyebrow, acting like he's the most smartest person in the world, and talking down to you like you're a damn bug, and they don't even have the courage or the spine to be able to talk about their own worldview. Do you notice whenever you find yourself in a discussion or debate or in a comment section with atheists, they always got a dog pile. They all got to come at you at the same time. They can't just say, okay, it looks like one atheist and one Christian is having a conversation. Let's step back and allow this discussion to happen. Nah, they don't. And it's the same way in society. You see a fight going on between two people. You don't jump in to, uh, you know, even the odds or do any of this kind of crap. Unless you see that someone's using a weapon, then you do whatever you can to try to stop. The point is, is that in reality, when you see two people having a conversation, you will ask if you can participate in the conversation. That's what normal people do. You don't just jump in there and throw little pop shots in and act like a little child on the, the recess playground, picking on the little guy. And that's what I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen. This is the, the type of behavior that I have experienced and noticed from these folks. They act just like you would expect from, you know, bullies at school or something. You know, a guy gets up in your face. He's always got a group of people behind him. Uh, what's wrong? Are you scared? Don't want to come in the room with me so we can debate, you know, or talk things out when he knows damn well that him and his buddies just want to jump you and steal your damn money. Hell with that nonsense. So, <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Here's how it's going to work, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm an adult. I'm not some stupid-ass high school kid that is going to let people just piss all over me and treat me like a cockroach. If you want to have a discussion or debate, then when I do my live rooms and I put my public link out there, you're more than welcome to come in and you can have a conversation with me. Um, the thing for me is I don't set it up to where I email a bunch of people uh, and say, hey, I'd like there to be 10 Christians and 10 atheists in the room. Now the link is open. It's very possible that it may end up where 10 atheists show up and not one single Christian shows up. It might be where five Christians show up and a couple atheists show up. But the difference between my discussions and going into an atheist room is, if I hear a Christian trying to make their point and the atheist keeps on cutting them off and running them over or screeching like a child over the person that's talking, I will tell the person, look, this is one chance for you. Don't continue to behave this way, act like an adult, or we will not be able to continue to have this conversation. I do what is reserved as the concept of moderation. I believe that if you're going to have a debate or a discussion, you have to have a neutral moderator. And uh, these people, they seem to think that a moderator is like the referees off WWE, where every once in a while the, the uh, referee will count too fast for another person or hit you in the back of the head with a chair in order to help the opponent win. 
Now, it's not like WWE, ladies and gentlemen. I am far too old and I have too much health issues to be letting some uh, turd come in and act like a dumb animal in my room. No, no. If I see that a Christian has lost control in the discussion and that person begins doing, uh, uh, demonstrating atheist behaviors where they're getting loud and ignorant and yapping at 100 miles per hour over somebody else, I will also warn the Christian. Look, we're having a discussion here. Calm down, take a breather, go have a smoke. Um, and, of course, if things continue to be ignorant, I say get the hell out of my room. And it doesn't matter what label you wear. As far as I'm concerned, um, you don't, like, earn a, uh, a super badge of destruction just because you call yourself a Christian on the Internet. There's been too many times where atheists have come into my room pretending to be Christian or even pretending not to be atheists at all because they think that if they come in saying that they're an atheist, they know that I spend a lot of time tearing the worldview apart of atheism and they're afraid to get into a debate or discussion because I guess they're trying to like uh, wade me out a little bit. You know, try to measure me up to see if they can get some pop shots in there or some hits. So then they're dishonest about their own position and worldview. I've caught that on many occasions. Like there was a guy not too long ago, just a couple of weeks ago, where he said, no, I'm not an atheist. And I said, hey, man, uh, what's your, do you have a YouTube channel? And he goes, yeah, but you wouldn't like it. I go, why wouldn't I like it? Because I don't do hardly any videos. Well, while I'm sitting here wasting my time listening to this idiot be dishonest with me, I ended up uh, just typing in the name that he was using in the room because he was too stupid to change the name from his YouTube channel. I go on to um, typing that into the search engines, and lo and behold, his YouTube channel is filled with videos insulting the piss out of me as well as other Christians, and of course, countless videos attacking God. So now that I've seen that, it's like, ah, so you've lied to me the whole time about your position and your view because you didn't want to put your cards on the table because you knew you were going to get spanked. I just, I don't see good debate etiquette, and I usually have this idea in my head <clears throat> when I'm dealing with anyone, especially people I've never met or never talked to before, I always have this really cool idea in my head that I would like to make friends with people, that I want to be able to be a part of a community where I'm participating and having good conversations and meeting people that I enjoy talking to and hanging out with. But nine times out of ten, atheists always try to play you out. They're always up to some bullshit. There's always some kind of agenda. And I, frankly, I'm tired of it. It's... I've had so many negative experiences now. Whenever I hear the word atheist, I almost feel like I'm going to vomit. I'm like, oh boy, here we go again, another one of these. It's not my fault. I used to be an atheist, and a lot of Christians thought that I was pleasant to be around. They enjoyed talking with me. They knew that I wasn't going to try to throw dirt and spit in their face. That I'd listen to them, and we'd have a normal, kind conversation. But you can't do that nowadays. There's something wrong. I don't know if it's the water they drank. I don't know if it's 
it's just pure arrogance, narcissism, um, nihilism, constant anger and rage, this desire to attack people just because they believe in a God. It, um, if you were to look into demonology or do any kind of study of Satanist or uh, anything having to do with demons, I kid you not, I'm not kidding about this. If you look at the attributes and personality of how they describe demons and theological and ancient texts, demons have a personality and trait system such as they're violent, they're aggressive, they're deceptive, they're liars, even Satan is considered the, the prince of lies. They're evil, they're tricksters, and not tricksters like in the sense of Loki. They will trick you and play games. They are manipulative, and it goes all the way down the line. Just simply imagine up the most ignorantest, terrible things that you hate about humanity <clears throat> or negative experiences you had, and demons have these attributes. It just seems to be coincidental, I guess, that atheists seem to share the exact same personality traits as Satanists as well as uh, demons. But anybody that's ever looked into Satanism would know that most Satans are self Satanists are self-proclaimed uh, atheists anyway. So that's where I stand on it. Well, my wife has brought home some dinner. I'm going to go eat and probably watch a... Um, cool television show or Netflix having to do with time travel. I like time travel stuff. And we'll play some World of Warcraft tonight. God bless. Subscribe to the channel. <clears throat> Oops, got some poop in my throat. We hope that you've been enjoying God TV Radio hosted by Brett Keen. When you get an opportunity, check out our public radio station. Check out our books, music, and art. You can also buy t-shirts if you would like to support us. If you don't want a t-shirt, you don't want books, you don't want music, well, you could always do a one-time donation through PayPal. Any support is appreciated. God bless.